Welcome to The Bandwidth. Here at the Band Arbitrage Network, we combine data and experience to help you understand the world of collectible finance. Welcome, everyone. I'm Father Ken. It's so great to have you here with us this morning. We are alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic this morning. I think all of us have gone and taken a shower and grabbed some coffee and trying to get things rolling. I, I don't know if we're awake or if we're just faking it till we make it. But good morning, everyone, and welcome. Uh, we here at the Ban Arbitrage Network, we are trying to give you the most up-to-date information about the world of collectible finance. And as such, we're going to be touching on a number of different things in the world of collectible finance, including some different cards that have started to spike and to call out some of the changes in the market, as well as some major market movement this week. Myself, I'll be talking about some of the tournament play I've witnessed over the last couple of weeks as an L2 judge, but then also those things that we can add in to our everyday life that makes our buying and selling of collectible finance cards a little bit better. So thanks for joining us today. Our hosts, as always, Wit is here and Yo. Wolf. Welcome. Hey. It's so good to have you guys here. It's it's good to talk to you. It's been a while since we've done one of these style casts. Yeah, because we were uh, getting to know each other, you know, getting personal <laughs> and talking about our, you know, testimonies within the MTG finance. All the mushy stuff that brings us together. I think it's called bonding, but it still frightens me. Ooh. <laughs> My goodness. The bonding is is what gets me. It's right in the feels. Right in the feels. Mm, relationship building. Mm-hmm. Go figure. So, <laughs> <laughs> wait, we're MTG finance people. We're supposed to be cold and callous, and you know, sitting upon an ivory true. tower. That's true. Yeah. I I actually have been doing a lot of traveling over the past couple of weeks, uh, driving to different tournaments, but. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I was able to do a buy, and I was looking at some of our major major players here in the group who own stores, and I read some of their articles that they've been producing, and so I'm part of their Patreon, and I read it, and there was an argument for buying at 72% of TCG low, and huh. normally... I'm buying at 80% of buy list, which puts you right about the 50 to 60% of TCG low. <clears throat> I, I find that to be a, a pretty healthy place for me. But somebody hit me in the feels, Ken. I got to pay some bills. My family's in trouble. I got to sell some cards. What can you do for me? And so it hit me in the feels. So I ended up buying at 70 70% of TCG low. And I got the cards home and I started going through them and there was some water damage. I didn't pull them out of the sleeves. Oh man. Now was this all the cards or was this just like a couple expensive ones? No, it was, it was probably six cards. I probably lost, you know, maybe 50 bucks. So. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was bad. You know, it, I, I allowed my feelings to get in the way of buying and selling. So I have to remember not to do that. So that's a very good learning experience for me, but that's just what I've been up to. Um, how about you, Wit? What have you been up to? Well, I'm not sure if you guys have heard, but uh, I'm engaged now. Wonder oh, what was going on last week. <laughs> yeah so uh i mean i won't go through all the details but um yeah last week it was the last sunday i proposed and um uh, so basically i was working on only three hours of of you know sleep and you know went to church went to went back and cleaned up my apartment and because i was telling my girlfriend like hey like i want to show you my uh you know show my show you my apartment because she'd never seen it yet because it's just kind of you know mountains of cards everywhere stuff like that so cleaned everything up did all of that and then brought her over and i'm like all right cool want to go out for dinner and she's like sure and of course we take a different route which she didn't ask she just thought i was gonna go with the uh you know just taking a scenic route and 
pulled into a park that had a really nice, beautiful white gazebo. And she had that look on her face of like, oh, I know what this is. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. And, you know, it was all decorated by a few friends of mine and, uh, you know, got down on one knee. She said, yes, we drank champagne. And, uh, yeah. So right now looking at a wedding this summer. So. Very cool, man. We're very happy for you. Thank you. It's probably, probably not, uh, Probably the most exciting thing that'll happen today is uh, being able to share your story a little bit. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, Wolf, I I think your news is even less exciting than that. That's all right. I set the bar pretty high. No, no, I haven't. I, I've not been doing any, anything near as exciting. I did keep saying this week over week, but people are just coming out of the woodwork. Like old high school friends reaching out, talking with a bunch of people. And I think I spent the majority of like my weekend actually on the phone with people and I am not a social individual. So that was, uh, that was fun. I think I spent like probably like 16 hours just chatting with family and friends, which is nice. It's nice to catch up with people. It's been a while for, for a lot of them. So yeah, definitely less exciting. Good to spend time with people and it's good to have those, those bonding and lasting relationships that are, are very important. One of the uh, things that we like to do here at the Ben Arbitrage Network is is actually have relationships with other sellers and be able to learn and grow from them. And as such, uh, wit, we're getting witty with it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I like that title, but you got me to say it. Let's just go with it. Uh, wow, man, I'm incredibly hilarious. So you've got you've got some market <laughs> movements. You've got some things that are going on in the realm of MTG finance. Why don't you give us a few of your thoughts or ideas about what's happening in the world of MTG finance? My focus is going to be more on the long-term investments because the big thing right now is that there everybody has a different tolerance for what uh, how they want to invest into just in general hobby finance. I mean, there are some specs that are able to you know, spe- some speculations that are able to flip very quickly within the first couple, mo- you know, within a few days, a few weeks. Uh, some of the stuff I'm going to go for is more of the, you could take this card and you can put it in the closet and come back in a couple of years if you want to. Like this is the low pressure. This is the low, um, yeah, this is, this is the one where you don't have to watch it like a hawk. It's just going to naturally go up. So uh, first off, I do want to kind of highlight some of the market activity we've recently got, which is, um, which actually was pointed out by people within band very quickly. Um, uh, one of them, namely, his name is QED, which is in, uh, and we have seen a lot of movement with both humility and just very recently, just I think like hours ago, uh, second chance. So right now, it looks like we're seeing a bit of reserveless movement happening. Uh, it could be just you know targeted buyouts, like what we saw back in January, um, and and maybe nothing more, or it could be leading into a wave of buyouts. So. Hard to tell, hard to see, but well, but it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, um, so, I, I actually went looking for what is the card again that QED called called out. So the first one was humility, which was I think like a couple of days ago, and then right. today, this morning, uh, it was I saw that it was called out uh, second chance. Yeah, so I went. I actually went looking for second chances in some of my hidey holes uh, this morning already, and nothing under ten bucks right now. There's, yeah. there's nothing in, it was a $5 card yesterday, yesterday morning at, you know, 7 AM, you can get it for five bucks and now you can't find it for under 10. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, I don't know if it was, I mean, I, I'm honestly thinking like, okay, was it like a content creator that might've said something? But, but again, though, it, it, I mean, the, the two cards that have been talked about, as I just mentioned, humility and second chance, both of them are EDH playable. Now, Second chance is a little bit more gimmicky because I think, uh, man, I want to say I think Modrotha likes it sometimes, but you know, at least humility though, humility is a card that uh, you know certain commander decks would just love to play. So, but I do have two spe- uh, two uh, cards I do want to talk about today though. So the first one is Gaia's Touch. So Gaia's Touch, if you guys are not familiar with, it is a enchantment from the dark, which is one of the four horsemen sets. It costs double green. See, it's an enchantment, and it has two abilities. First off, you can put additional land into the battlefield on each of your turns, but it has to be a basic forest. 
And the second ability is you can sacrifice the enchantment to add two green mana to your mana pool. So here's the reason why I picked this card. First, sorry, my dog is <laughs> howling in the background. Yeah, so right now the current market price is about $3.20. Uh, there is a decent supply on TCG Player still. So there's like 30 near mint listings. Uh, I think 232 English listings total. And I would say like for near mint direct, there is there is like only a handful below five dollars, and then after that it goes like to twenty bucks. So if you're a direct seller, this is actually kind of nice. This is the reasons though I think that these are this is worth speculating on though. So first off, it is from the dark, um, which is one of the four horsemen sets. Uh, there is a YouTube content creator. His name is Rudy from Alpha Investments. He's been talking a lot about the four horsemen set. So and he's got a strong following, which means that easily he could put up a video and. You know, car, these cards could definitely just skyrocket out of nowhere. Um, also, this is the only printing at this time. So there are no other printings. There's no secret layer. There's no double masters. But I will also note, though, this could get reprinted in an upcoming secret layer or a or in the double double masters or various other sets. So this card is not immune to being reprinted. Um, this is also a card that's also great for mono green decks. Um, so that that's kind of like why I'm looking at this card. It's just it's a very niche card that is very unique. I mean, we do have cards like burgeoning out there, but this is something that's just a common. And you could also and with EDH, you can play burgeoning and you can play the uh Gaia's Touch. One of the cool things about Gaia's Touch is that it's just sitting in people's binders right now. So I've I've actually followed your advice, and over the last month or so, I've been when I've needed an extra dollar or $2 in a trade or somebody's got them sitting there in their binder, I've just been snatching them up. So I've got two of them listed right now, uh, moderately played on TCG player right at the $10 level. And I'm more than excited to get out of guys touch at that point uh, selling into the spike. But then also you can still get it for under two bucks on TCG player for light play copies. So it's, it's in a really unique position it's it's one of those cards that can move very quickly, but we just have to be aware and be watching for it. Right. Well, I mean, especially since this is a card that is, I mean, like I said, there's still a decent supply out there. It's not like super low. It's, you know, if you're looking for a flip that's overnight that goes from like $2 mm -hmm. to $20, or even if you're, you know, extremely ambitious and you want to buy the card, card out, that's probably not going to work. And even if you do buy the whole card out, it's probably not going to cause it to hold a new price for long i think if, if in theory because right now like i said the market is about three dollars 20 cents if someone bought every copy out i think the co the card will settle back down around the five dollar range so yeah you could make a little profit but that's not a move i would recommend this is a long-term hold uh i would say you know i mean my personal position i have about 100 copies because i managed to get a few walls on the very cheap but this would be something that you want to watch out for watch for to see if it gets reprinted as well and this is you know you have to kind of wait for your that content creator that for commander to talk about it so one of the things that i want to point out right now because you've touched on it is why don't buyouts work we actually had somebody in our discord ask us this question this week and it's really important that we touch on this and, and wit, I'm going to let you speak first, and then we're going to ask Wolf <laughs> to jump in. Why don't buyouts work? Uh, because it is artificial. Um, on the one side, if you do a buyout in, regard, like, in regards to like, oh, there's like five copies left of a card and you just clear it out, that's usually not a bad big deal. Like I've done that with uh, Survival of the Fittest, the Judge Promo. There was like four mm -hmm. copies back when it was like 150 bucks. I was like, this card is beautiful. It's amazing. And it only takes me 600 bucks to just buy the last copies. Bought it and reposted it like 700 and it's stuck. So that's like, well, that would be like one case of like, okay, that's actually not so bad. But if you go and buy, in this case, Gaia's Touch, you buy this all out, the demand is not really there right now. You're, you, you know, you'll have, you know, you'll have some YouTubers go on and be like, oh yeah, this card just spiked. I don't know who did it. I don't know what's going on, but it's crazy. And some people will see it, but eventually, though, you have all of these sellers, both direct and non-direct, 
and on you know from tcg player to also ebay and they just start you know playing this undercutting game with each other and no one's buying at this new price let's say let's say it's a 20 dollar card now okay well guess what there's a vendor that's going to post at 19 dollars and 80 cents 1960 there's one vendor that's total derpy and he's going 13 dollars. then now you have 12 dollars, 10 dollars, 9 dollars, 8 dollars, and it just becomes an undercutting game until all of a sudden you get back down to or maybe a little bit above what was normal. So you're now at four, four and a half. And now people are starting to buy the cars again. So buying it, yeah. So buying it artificially, unless you can keep pure control of the market 100%, a buyout doesn't work. And also keeping control of the market of a card is incredibly expensive as well. So it just doesn't work. Wolf, do you have anything to add? Oh yes, I mean, I I take much more. I think of a, a boring, more like you know, numbers based approach to it. But uh, like in the example too that Wit just mentioned when he when you talked about like a judge promo, you have to understand as well the supply there is very small. Just in general, I mean, when you think of judges and who got their promos, and it's a lot easier to. In, in essence, corner that market if that's what you want to do. And another nice thing, too, is that there are cheaper alternatives available. However, with something like Guy's uh, Touch here, which you just mentioned, it's a common. It was a common once, which means it was everywhere. And even though it's been quite a long time since it was last printed, it was still a common. <laughs> so anybody who ever opened that set or you know anybody who wanted it, there's going to be a lot of copies hanging around. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions uh, is that you know you have a lot of money you can buy up a whole position and you'll own the market but that's not true there are so many copies at a lower price point than you at some point because what you did was you captured the market at one point in time anybody who came before you was underneath you so anybody who had that idea before you and i promise you somebody did they now because of the efforts that you've done basically you paid to offer them profit because you've now invested at a higher price point, attempted to raise the market, and your ability to sell out is going to be immediately undercut by everybody else who either bought in below you or who is willing to accept lower margin or simply just has a more professional setup to list their cards. You know, pick one of the above, and you will not be able to get out of that position very quickly. Now, the alternative to this is that if there is a mass buyout like a spike that happens where it's kind of community driven and that can be as few as 20 people who just don't realize they're doing it now what you have is everybody bought in at the same price point so guess what you're all going to be fighting to make that same profit margin after fees so you now you have all of this competition and all it takes is one person to say you know what i just want to get out of this i'll take a loss on it and you've all taken a loss because you now either are stuck holding the bag or you have to take more of a loss than that one person and it becomes more of a vicious cycle. So uh, when you go to buy out cards, you need to know, or when you attempt to do it, you need to know so much about it. And the hardest thing to know is how much does all of the market already have sitting in their back you know, boxes because it's not worth anything. They might have hundreds of copies. And so the biggest thing with a buyout is you have to hope that everybody who has all of those copies with you, or, you know, assuming you might have majority share, it doesn't matter. You have to hope they're all going to basically hold the door with you. Uh, we'll, we'll do an old Game of Thrones reference, and that <laughs> simply cannot be relied upon. Even if you're, you know, you might know the other sellers and you might be friends with them. We got we to gotta keep the lights on. We got to sell cards. So there's just so much inherent risk. Goes back to a fundamental like uh, financial thing. It's better to diversify broadly than it is to go massively deep on one. Uh, unless, of course, we're talking uh, more reserve list and, and like much higher dollar value. But at that point, yeah, you've, you've got enough money to, to pretty much do a lot of what you want anyways. But even then, the same thing will happen. Those same principles of somebody else is willing to sell underneath you. So it's a massive risk that I think people assume happens all the time. And it's such a successful strategy. And I think in reality, if you do it once... I think most of us, you, you, you know, we all remember the good stories, but then there's the 10 or 15 times where it failed. And uh, 
I think with buyouts, you do it once and you realize, oh, this doesn't work. Oh, there goes a few hundred bucks. One of the very real world examples that we have is, is the card Nexus of Fate. There's one printing, it's all foil. It sells at about eight to 10 cards every single day. At one point, about three weeks ago, I was the lowest seller at $36. Friday wow. rolled around. All of, the, all of the people who had sent in sort your product, everybody who had sent in cards that, you know, relisting, things like that, they noticed the price. They took Nexus of Fate from 36 to 22 in a single day. That being said, it's still selling 8 to 10 cards every single day. So we just have to be aware of the market. We have to be aware of what cards are selling and how quickly they're selling. And then we have to be willing to have everybody across the whole world be, be willing to maintain that same price. It's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> well, And that's why you need, if you're going to pick a card, you have to pick it where there's almost no supply because that means that's less... Um, that's less relying on other people because if there's only, let's say, if you grab something from Alpha, you know, let's say you said a rare from Alpha, there's only like maybe hundreds of copies left. So that's a lot less mm -hmm. people to worry about versus something from, say, Homelands. Right. So, Wit, is there anything else that you'd like to add at this point? I've got one more card and I'll try to be a little more briefer on it. Um, You've got it. All right. So, the other card I wanted to bring up is called Divine Intervention. So, this is not a very commonly known card, but it's a white enchantment, costs eight mana from Legends. And it says basically, you put two counters on this card. On your upkeep, you remove a counter. And when you remove the last counter, the game ends in a draw. So, very, very unique ability because most magic cards, when it comes to when it comes to like ending a game, it's either going to be with a win, for example, you know, or it's going to be a loss. But with this card, it's, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's the only one, but I know it's at least one of the very, very few. So right now it is a, the current market price is $246. There's about 46 listings on TCG Player that are English. And the reason I suggested it uh, is like Guy's Touch, it is from one of the Horseman sets. And this card is actually on the reserve list. And this is, you know, and as I said before, this is one of the only cards that forces a game into a draw. My current position right now is one to two copies. And my suggested strategy is, um, so for me personally, I'm going to buy probably a couple more near mint copies. I wouldn't go too crazy heavy on this card because this is a card that just sits for a while. But, and it's also something that I don't think content creators for Commander will talk about because it's just too expensive. But I would say this, um, this card could very much have a, could end up catching up to cards like the Abyss. Uh, it's not crazy broken per se, but I would say that this card could easily go from the 250 mark and easily double up to 500, 600, 700. And maybe if you forget about it in your closet for three or four years, it could be a $1,000 card. Right now we have 46 listings on TCG player of divine intervention. Your entry point is at minimum $175 and it slowly ramps to the $600 mark right now. Yep. And it is one of those cards that we just want to put in the back of our mind. If you need a blue chip stock that's going to slowly gain over the next year or two, this is where to put money right now. Yep. This is your Apple. This is your Google. This is your, you know, you buy it, you forget about it, and you just keep it in the closet. Now, I also do want to say, re also emphasize buy English. Do not buy Italian. Sorry. That, that, that language. I mean, unless you want to buy it for yourself and you want to play with it, you can find like some damage, you know, you know, heavily played copy for like 80, 90, $90. Go for it. It's a fun card to play. I played it in the Angus McKenzie deck and it made people lose their minds when it hit the field. Like it was literally a three on one fight all of a sudden because like, I don't want the game to to draw. I'd rather win or lose. So, which was truly hilarious but i digress on that but yeah so this is a blue chip card i recommend it strongly i wouldn't go too heavy because again this is going to lock your cash for a while mm -hmm. but it's it, i would say it's pretty much unless, unless the game itself completely dies this is a a guaranteed gain one of the things that we try not to do here at the ban arbitrage network is to call out direct cards 
that people should buy into. Okay. One of the, that is today's cast is a little bit of shift for us because we, we are identifying cards that matter here. What we want to do is we want to take, teach the reasons why we're buying cards, but then also give people an idea of what to do. And so we're trying to, we're trying to find this balance now between calling out cards and then also teaching the education about why these cards matter. And so I really appreciate Wit sharing his, his insights into a couple of cards like Eyes Touch and Divine Intervention, but also the reasons why that matters and why buyouts don't work. Those are very good things to, to talk about. At the same time, we have to look at the data. And when we look at data, we talk to Wolf. So Wolf, in the middle of your Warren, <laughs> what's, what's happening in the world of collectible finance? Yeah, so I'm going to try and do more of just a weekly rundown of, of just the basically the top selling cards. Now, when I say top selling, that doesn't mean necessarily price increase. And I am going to be more than happy to explain why that is. Uh, but just to kind of do a week in review, talk about what is selling me the most amount of copies and why really sometimes buying just what's selling well might not be the best speculation target or investment target. Um, so what I'm going to start with is just by mentioning that in the prior week here on TCG Player, there were four cards which sold pretty much double every other thing. They sold 600 copies in that week. Uh, everything else is around the three, 340 or under mark from there. So there is massive demand for these cards. And those four are Boseju Who Endures, Otawara Soaring City, March of Otherworldly Light, and Farewell. All of which out of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Now, I would not recommend anybody trying to speculate on these cards because despite the fact that they are selling all of these copies the price point is still going down uh on pretty much all of them the only one i believe i see the exception on is otawara and uh i have a very fancy math system for basically outlier detection and i can basically see that besiju and march of otherworldly light looks like pretty normal activity. There's uh, nothing really seems out of the, the ordinary. Nobody's buying, you know, cop orders of 100 copies right now. It looks like pretty organic player demand. But Otawara and Farewell both have basically 25% of the orders in this past week uh, look suspicious, greater than four copies. People are buying into these cards as, uh, I assume either as an investment or people are quite hyped on them and they're trying to just buy their extra copies because they think it will go. But the problem with buying into a standard set that's still in print is that supply is still entering the market. And this is an incredibly popular set. And an incredibly popular set means that a lot of it will be opened. So the price point will continue falling for quite some time. And even after the set goes out of print, which usually takes... Uh, a year or two, uh, give or take, depending on how popular it is, because they will print to demand a lot of the time. That's how long you're going to have to be holding this card for it to stop falling, let alone for it to begin climbing. So even though the demand profile for these cards might be very high, that uh, demand is not outweighing the supply right now. So just something to keep in mind just with standard sets in general. So despite those being kind of the the kings of, of movement right now in terms of copies sold, they are not something that I would, I would really recommend uh, putting any kind of money into at this time. Um, the, just to contrast that as well, and to talk a little bit longer, um, there are two cards right underneath them I think are much more promising, and that is Expressive Iteration out of Strixhaven School of Mages. And yes, that is an uncommon that was printed relatively recently. But this thing, this card just sells like, oh my goodness. And I bet you money that you'd find this in, in bulk without people realizing this is now a $5 card. Um, shows very organic demand. is selling 400 copies a week on average. And, and it just hasn't stopped. I think you need four of these for just to play. I mean, <laughs> uh, this card clearly is, is selling well. It's an uncommon, relatively easy to find in bulk. 
As an investment, I would make this a buy list play simply because at the $5 mark, if you try and sell that on TCG player, I mean, it's basically 50% fees at that point. So it's hard to sell at market, but uh, just one to keep an eye on. It's rare that an uncommon gets that kind of attention and ongoing support. Uh, so just to keep an eye on. And then the other one, and I've talked about this probably ad nauseum in the Discord, but that is Esper Sentinel. Uh, and something that blows my mind with Esper Sentinel is that it sells pretty much the same amount of copies every week as Urza Saga does. Both of them out of Modern Horizons 2, both the regular non-foil copies. And yet, Esper Sentinel's price is increasing while Urza Saga is floundering. And I honestly am attributing that at this point to the fact that speculators are definitely tipping into Esper Sentinel. I mean, 20% of the purchases every week are people buying more than four copies. So there's a lot of speculator activity on that. I mean, it just, it is what it is. Versus Urza Saga has very little anomalous activity. There's not a lot of speculation. It's selling one or two copies, always under four. Um, sometimes you see an order for five, somebody's kind of buying that extra copy, but it's fascinating to me to see basically that the speculator activity and the hoarding for Esper Sentinel is driving that price point up as we speak. So, uh, just something to, to be aware of. One of the things I want to touch on with expressive iteration is that it is both a, a control and an aggro playable card it gets around the draw effect so anything that says if a player would draw a card instead do this expressive iteration makes it so that you look at the top three cards you you are looking at three cards and then deciding what to do with it put one into your hand one on the bottom of your library one into exile you may play that card at any time that is a beautifully designed card for blue-red because it gets around the draw effect. It lets you look at three cards, and it puts one into exile, which is exactly what red wants to do. I absolutely love this card. And it is going to see demand across the board for years and years and years. Yeah, I, I don't I very much agree with you on that because and what's interesting too is like just also the price point of this card. It makes it one of the most expensive cards in Strixhaven. Like I mean just, minus the just minus the archives. To me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because uh, I was look because I was handing a bunch of uh I was giving a friend of mine a handful of Strixhaven packs for uh, a much later, a very late Christmas gift. And I'm looking online, I'm like, all right, what exactly does he have? that he's able to open because it was, it was just draft booster packs and i looked i'm like wow yeah this card's like i think in the top five most expensive because everything else in the set is just not that valuable but yeah it's a strong uncommon it's a uh it got it, as you said i mean it it helps get away from draw restricting effects like what narset does mm -hmm. and yeah the fact that it's played in both aggro and control is just that that's that's huge that's like a that's the equivalent. That's like our modern day version of um, uh, Serum Visions. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's always played as a four of. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yep. Yeah, and since we're on the Strixhaven thing, I'll just throw out as well. There's a, there's a Relentless Rats uh, card in Strixhaven, Dragon's Approach, which is also one that uh, if you're flipping through bulk, definitely always pull that one out because people will buy that in batches of 40 at a time. So even though it's a common, you can basically pick it up for a quarter and flip them for three bucks all day long. Um, so just one that is a gift that keeps giving. <laughs> I love it. Wolf, is there anything else that you'd like to, to add in right now? Uh, in terms of just what's been moving the past week, no, I think that uh, I think that largely covers the the top movers. Um, you know, Neon Dynasty is really just killing it. Yeah, yeah, the Neo Neo Kamigawa set, and I keep calling it that because it's the new Kamigawa set. So <laughs> let's, makes sense. Let's go with it. Yeah, man, I I love the set. I haven't opened any of it. I want to draft it. I haven't even drafted it online yet because it is such a complex and interesting set that I need more time just to study how the drafts are working. I've, I've got a friend who, who actually said, 
stop doing that, Ken. Just start grinding. He's got a four of of every single card in the set right now, and he absolutely loves drafting it. So good. Yeah. Uh, you have some uh, movers of the week that you were interested in, Wolf. Uh, what what else are you thinking of right now? Sure. So <laughs> there's something to take a grain of salt with is that I predominantly like to sell to buy lists. Uh, I because when you sell on TCG player, it's usually one or two at a time. It takes you have to wait for a long time. You have to hope nobody undercuts you. Whereas if you buy with the buy list in mind, you can easily flip it and you can either grind the credit game or you can just take the the cash differential and run. Um, so a lot of the cards that I like to call out, you don't usually see on MTG stocks because their actual price point uh, doesn't always change. But what does change is that buy list oftentimes goes above what market value is. And it's silly because if you sell at market value, you're usually losing 15 to 20% to fees to the vendor when you could have sold it for just straight up higher to buy list and run. Uh, but very few people have the setup to cross-reference or simply just do not care. Once they're above a certain revenue threshold, they just want to make money wherever they can. They don't care if they're losing margin here or there. So with that said, uh, I'm just going to fire off two right in a row. Uh, <laughs> that uh, Pride even added me on the watch list in the Discord because I do love this card. Speaking of gifts that keep giving, uh, Swan Song is one of... The, it, this card just gives me so much uh, I, I always buy it below what ck is offering and then i'm always able to either flip it on the market or sell it straight to the buy list it's just a card that has such a healthy demand profile both from buy list and on the market um, and i've specifically called out the secret layer one here just because i believe that that one is in the least uh, amount of supply on the market uh, but you can't go wrong with the uh, Theros, and I believe there's a C16 copy, if my memory serves correctly. Um, but both of them are just consistent, uh, you know, just buy when Card Kingdom is offering below 50% of their market value and wait till it goes back up to 67. It's the easiest sine wave in the world. It just, it goes down and then it goes up consistently. Um, so I'd like to call that one out. And uh, Burmaz, King of Oreskos is another one. Uh, people love their their cats, uh, and it's hard to build a cat deck without the king. So um, that's just one that, again, on the buy list is constantly just popping up as, oh, Card Kingdom's offering over Marketplace again. All right, might just buy some market copies and sell them straight to buy list. Um, and let alone you actually start outsourcing that. Um, so uh, the other thing, too, just to keep in mind with these cards is I like to stay in the 5 to $20 mark just because those cards move the fastest. That is the price point that most people are comfortable with. When you start going above or below that, it gets kind of harder to move those cards. So um, it is what it is. The last one that I'll call out, and I'm calling this out because I was wrong, and this card is great, uh, and that is the Ozolith. This is a card that's just, it's climbing. It, it's gone a straight month rising on buy list. Uh, I honestly, I haven't looked at the market price, but I believe the buy list was up to uh, $11.50 the last time I looked at it. Uh, and when this card came out, I w was like, this is totally overhyped. Everybody was buying into it, very similar to a card like uh, Yavamaya Cradle of Growth out of Modern Horizons 2. Granted, I learned my lesson from the Ozolith, and I did buy into Yavamaya Cradle of Growth out of Modern Horizons 2, but... Uh, I assumed just because everybody was buying this card that it was, you know, what I mentioned earlier with buyouts, uh, but it has not been the case. And this has been a card that has just been steadily growing. So wanted to call one out where I was wrong. And Byleist is uh, actually just showing me that in spades. So what you're it's... saying is we should buy this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very healthy card right now. Uh, TCG low is at 12. Card Kingdom buy list is at 14 for cash. You add 20% for bonus on that. Congratulations. You have just made, you're just up to 17 bucks. So, Stonks. This there is, you go. It's, it's a little silly sometimes. It's fun though. It's, it's just extra fun. Yeah. One of the things that I've been doing over the past couple of weeks is actually uh, 
judging competitive REL tournaments. And so I've been, my feet have been on the floor uh, watching magic being played, watching players play cards that they really like and enjoy. And while I don't catch everything that's going on in the tournament play, what I can tell you is that people want to play. I had 30 players for a win a box. Never had 30 players for a win a box before. I had 69 players yet on Saturday for a 1K. Now, I don't know if that's just if that's just people wanting to get out and play, but I I think people are ready to be playing competitive tournament magic. And we have a major announcement coming later on this week from Wizards of the Coast regarding tournament play and regarding organized play in general. I would highly suspect that we have a major shift in tournament play happening later on this week, and that's going to create a lot of demand for standard and modern cards because people are going to want to jump in on stuff that's happening in their local game shop. The fun part is, though, I think there's going to be enough freedom that the local game shop will be able to choose what format they're playing. We, knew, we know from experience through the PPTQ system that nobody wants, to, nobody wants to play sealed. We know from the PPTQ system that nobody wants to draft. We know from the PPTQ system that people very rarely like to play standard, but they will if they have to. What we know, though, is that people are willing to grind modern. And that's what I've been seeing over the last couple of weeks. Two different areas, two different shops, but modern was thick. People wanted to be playing it. Some of the cards that I've seen over the past couple of weeks that were really interesting, uh, there was a new combo with Karn and Urza that exiled people's boards. And I can't, I can't figure out which card it is that they were using to turn uh, permanence into artifacts. But they were doing that, and then they were plussing Urza to make that artifact a zero zero creature. It just makes me laugh. It's some type of, of lantern style control where they just completely destroy somebody's board. It was interesting to me. But one of the cards that I noticed that people were playing a lot of was Chandra Dressed to Kill. And this was being played in both blue red control, but then also blue red uh, aggro. And even more so, it was being played in mono-red as a late-game finisher. I just found it really interesting. All of these cards are starting to, to see play. And there's such a diversity within modern right now that we did not have two of the same matching decks throughout the whole tournament. Everybody had something different that they were playing and some different bend on modern. And they were all very competitive. I saw somebody show up. He, his deck was called the Parker Special. It was four of Arbor Elf, which just made me laugh because he had no other elves in it besides Arbor Elf. And that's the Untappa Forest one. And then he had Old Growth, uh, just a whole bunch of three mana trolls. He had a whole bunch of two mana aggro cards, green aggro. And then his finisher was one of Galta. And he went 5-2 and two on the day in a modern tournament with mono-green aggro. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> the Parker special. It was fun to watch. It was interesting. And he was ninth in the tournament. And it was such a feel-bad because I had to deck-check him and then just watch him completely continue to wreck people with mono-green aggro. Modern's in a really healthy spot right now. I'd love to see it. We, sh we I should mean, if you... <laughs> Go ahead. I was say, if you're able to get away with crazy shenanigans like that, yeah, I would call that healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the chaos. It's great. Uh, so those are just my, my few things looking from the floor, looking from watching people play. You know, we talk about Blue Red Merktide quite a bit. We talk about uh, Ragavan as an aggro card. It's all fun. All of these things are fun to watch and they're f interesting to play. Uh, I think the, the spiciest 
bit of tech that I saw uh, was Kazali Ambusher. And I saw three different people playing it this past weekend. Wait, isn't that the cat from uh, Shards that you could cast for free if you have like a forest and a plains or something? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, great. So turn one, play a fetch land. Uh, so if, if you're on the draw, you're playing a fetch land and your opponent dashes a Ragavan. And so you fetch up oh either gosh. a Triome or a Temple uh, Garden. Temple Garden. And you flash in <laughs> Kazali Bambusher. Surprise. It's a 2-3 for free. And you killed their Ragavan. That I is just, some next it, level deck taking. It was hilarious. <laughs> and it was two or three different decks that were playing this. It was just funny. Um, you know, I'm not saying buy into Kazali Ambusher, but I saw a I saw a one of the people in my local area who's who's a financer or claims to be, uh, he he pulled out all of his Kazali ambushers and and made a big post about how awesome the card was. And I'm just like, you can buy these for twenty cents right now. What what is happening? So <laughs> we definitely want to be aware of the different things that are going on on the floor. Uh, we want to be aware of what's happening in the community, but. Modern is a in a really healthy spot right now. Things are going to move forward at the end of this week with organized play. But then also, we have to make money off of what we're doing. So be aware of what's being traded. Be aware of what's going on on the floor. Uh, get out to your LGS and just see what people are playing. Because that's going to help you in the long run understand your market a little bit better. Uh, any questions or comments from you guys? <laughs> Quisali Pride Mage. That's great. Or not Pride Mage, Ambusher. Quisali Ambusher. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember seeing that card a while back. It's just amazing. Sorry, that, that's just kind of like... That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it's really cool deck tech, but at that, at that, you know, from a finance perspective, it's it's almost untouchable. But from yeah. a play and just having fun with, at like... Hell yeah. That's mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. I think the only way that would be a good financial target would be as if it we just know for sure it doesn't get reprinted anytime soon and it just sees lots of play. Yeah. The foil looks like at a decent price point, but uh, I wouldn't uh I wouldn't I don't do foils. <laughs> but that's well, and also the also Alara has a, a much higher amount of foils because they did the foil packs. Oh I didn't know that. What what wait, what is this history? Yeah, so um, at the end of Alara Reborn, I think it was around the time that Wizards was like, hey, here's a great idea. They created special packs that you could buy that had nothing but foils from Shards, uh, Shards of Alara, Conflux, and Alara Reborn. So because of that, that's why a lot of the foils from those sets are usually not worth as much. Uh, like the multipliers are generally low is because there's just there was a higher frequency of foils entering the market. I genuinely learned something today. Thank you, Wit. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, yeah, and I'll be honest, like the only reason I know that is because I was I was playing a lot at the time, and I remember seeing them, and I'm like, I have no interest in this because I just want the cheapest copies. Which also, I guess, also hits on Father Ken's comment here about, yeah, get into your LGS. Get to know the players. Because uh, there's a lot of advantages to that. If you get to know the players, that means you also have relationships that you're building with other players which means that's also opportunities to trade and also opportunities to buy and sell as well but also getting to understand the what the metagame looks like locally in your area as well as understanding how how the game is evolving and sometimes the players can also teach you something in regards to cards that you would not have expected i mean yeah. the earlier you know earlier i called divine intervention my first experience with that was at a grand prix because I was playing at uh, some commander and someone slapped that onto the board and I'm like, this thing actually exists. And the person had this big smile on his face and I think he removed a counter, uh, I think with a Phyrexian Revoker or something and managed to actually get it to pop off quickly and game in a draw. And I was like, oh, that's fun. I want to try that. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of value in being in participating at your LGS. So especially if you're a part of the MTG finance community and you're wanting to learn more. 
One of the final things I want to touch on before we wrap up today is to remind people, don't go to your friends for tax advice when it comes to buying and selling MTG finance cards. <laughs> Get a professional involved. Get somebody who knows what they're doing. Because if you go to your friends, they're going to recommend a, a style or methodology of, of accounting that doesn't work for MTG finance. There are styles and methods out there that have you reconcile your book year to year to show what you're holding versus what you aren't holding, so on and so forth. When you're talking about tens of thousands of cards, what they want then is an exact listing of each and every card that you're in. Go to, your, go to your CPA, tell them what you do, tell them how many items that you actually own, and get some real solid advice from them for how to manage your taxes. The last thing that we want is for you to spend all of your time sitting at the computer trying to take account of every single card in your collection that you're either holding or ready to sell. So get some advice, get some support. Don't ask us because we're going to answer the same way. Find a CPA that knows what they're doing and get the support that you need. Were you giving some bad advice? No. I, <laughs> I, have I, was actually, like, I was like, what kind of trouble are you in this time? <laughs> no, I've actually had several people in the Discord ask about uh, accounting issues to our Discord. And I jump on that as as quickly as possible to say, you're asking the wrong people. Go to your CPA, talk to them. The same thing happens online. Oh, I hurt my shoulder while benching three weeks ago. The doctor says this, but what do you guys think? We're not medical <laughs> professionals. Go to your doctor. And if you don't like what your doctor says, find a different doctor. I don't know, man. There's a lot of power in Reddit. Man. <laughs> All right. I want to thank everybody for joining us here at the Ban Arbitrage Network. Welcome. And thank you for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to learn a little bit more about collectible finance and spending your morning with us. So thank you. We appreciate you having you here. If you'd like to, you can find us on Twitter at MTG underscore band. You can follow us online at our, uh, at our website, mtgband.com. But also you can join us via the Patreon. And then hop into the Discord and use our tools. These are all very real things that we want to add to the world of collectible finance. And we have some very interesting things coming up in the coming months as we progress with our business plan of expanding the world of MTG Finance. So thank you so much for joining us. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks, guys. Thank you.